of So You Want to Be in IT. If you haven't heard, we're a podcast that's aimed at those starting a journey in the vast world of IT. So we talk everything from navigating the world as a beginner, from how to climb the ladder in IT, everything else uh, in between. So I am your host, Pat. Hey, it's Dean here. My man Dean's over there as usual. And it, actually, Dean, it's it's um it's been a while. It's been quite a few months, actually. Uh, it has so, been a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that, that don't know, Dean and I recorded five episodes before this one. Uh, they were not released to the world. They're still sort of in an incubator. Uh, and then we kind of put it away for a while, and, and the holidays hit, and different things sort of sort of came up and whatnot. And uh, this episode is being recorded uh, at least, I want to say, like four months since the last one. So it's it's been a while since Dean and I have sort of been in the same room or, uh, in this instance, the same virtual space, right? So this week is episode six. This week, we have a special guest, actually. Uh, we have a co-worker of mine. Uh, and I figured he would be a cool person to come on and hang out, talk some IT, and we're all in that same space. So, uh, everyone, uh, say hello to my coworker, uh, Ben. What's up, Ben? Hey, Ben. Hey, everybody. Nice to be with you today. Thanks for inviting me. And yeah, I love to talk about this stuff. I feel like a lot of it's hidden in the details for how to do this, how to get started. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to lend whatever I can to it. Sweet. Yeah. So Ben and I are pretty tight, man, either at, you know, at work and at a personal level as well. So you know, Ben and I spend obviously a lot of time together at work. You know, when people were in the office, we sit in the same room. So he's not, he's never too far uh, from me. So and then obviously, Ben, uh, you and I have a love for for vinyl uh, records as well yeah. uh, so uh, ben has been to my house a time or two to spin some vinyl so uh, that's kind of cool and uh, ben also you just recently jumped into a discord that i'm running to help a couple of people uh, study for their ccna uh, so i know ben yeah. you are uh, sort of in that realm now of you passed your a plus if i'm not mistaken just recently and then you're yep. moving on to Net Plus slash CCNA. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Like what came about that or what, what kind of kicked off that process and you know, kind of start there? So in short, my IT career has been a pretty straightforward road. Like my first gig was a help desk job, pretty straightforward. And then getting out of college, I, I kept asking the same question to people that I was interviewing with. And I asked them, hey, do I need my certs? And they're like, no because you have a degree, go for it. And I'm like, okay, so I don't have to pay for these certs. Why bother? And that just kept happening. Right. And that didn't, throughout any job that I've had since, I've never actually had to have had my certs, which was a very weird feeling. But right up until about a few months ago, when I was told that if they, if I would get the certs, they would pay for them, the company would just flat out pay for them. Yep. I was like, okay, now would be a pretty good time to get started. But where? So it's it's kind of interesting that we're talking about this because I, I started this part of the journey very late, whereas some people who are just starting out may try to do this first. So I have a couple of firsthand accounts of this. And one of them was the cost. Straight up out of the gate, if you don't have um, a lot of wiggle room in your budget, the CompTIA Plus will it'll, – it'll look weird to you because you have to pay for two exams to get one cert and both exams are about 240 bucks a pop. So unless you have just about $500 to burn, and that's not a guarantee, you have to pay for the exam, 
it's not guaranteed that you're going to pass. So I can see where there are a couple of barriers to it, but that's how I got started doing this. The company said, hey, we'll take care of the cost. And I said, all right, I'm on it. And so then I started my studies and then I knocked those two out and now I'm getting started on the harder stuff. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Dean, you and I have kind of talked about that in previous episodes as far as some barriers and, and some certs and things of that nature. And, and Dean, when, when I took my CCNA, it was, it, it was like 300 bucks a pop. And, you know, same thing as Ben, right? It's two tests, which you get one cert. You know, it, it was a couple hundred bucks until you really sort of had your foothold in that. And like Ben said, there's no guarantee. Like it's just, you have to pay for it. And, you know, if you don't pass, you basically, you burn whatever that dollar amount is for, you know, however long the test is, a couple hours. So. It, it, it's an odd way of sort of looking at it. Yeah, you say right. that, but I agree in one aspect, but on the other aspect, it's like having a driving test. Like, you learn to drive. If you fail, you could say, well, that money's been burnt and I can't drive. Like, it's an investment in yep. yourself and the, you might not pass the first time, but you just keep going at it. Like, plenty, I don't think I passed one test the first time. It's just one of those things. It's just, I look I at know it, I, I didn't. I look at my exams <laughs> as, uh, the first one at least as a learning curve especially if you haven't done it for a while and if you're completely new to the game then you have to uh look at this as all experience uh when i first started i used to expect to pass exams purely because of the cost and um the commitment i've uh, sort of put into these technologies and efforts and stuff looking at back on that now i think that's um maybe not necessarily the best way of going about it like failing exams can be really disheartening they can actually uh discourage you and not make you want to like pursue your certification anymore so i i try to sort of change my mindset in terms of looking at it's just like failure and as more as experience yeah. yeah and i can definitely agree to that especially given the circumstances now where the landscape is getting quite a bit wider for IT support jobs, given the number of people that are working from home. I can definitely see where that that is good for investment. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. And, you know, like Dean said, you know, there's very, at least for me, I didn't, I didn't pass, I didn't pass any of my Cisco certs on the first time. My CCNA took me three times, you know, and just one of those things like, you know, the first time around is, is, is probably a learning curve. Um, cause there is an art form to taking these certs cause they're, they're worded, they're worded weird. They're meant to sort of trick you in, in some aspects to make you overthink, you know, that Absolutely. sort of thing. So yeah. it, it's a, it, it is a learning curve. So you have to sort of learn the, the, the vibe of the test or, or what they're, what they're asking or what what they're trying to get at and there's a lot of fluff involved and, and that sort of thing but you know but I think I think it is good for for employers to to shell out the money now in, in my instance I had to pay for it up front and then once I passed they reimbursed me right so it's not like they're shelling out 300 bucks and you know you go and fail it then it's like oh well well sorry there's your 300 bucks you know that kind of thing but uh, I've always been where I've just been reimbursed at the end of the test or whatever at the end of the month but but I th- I think it is a good thing for for employers to uh, to invest in that and in, invest in their people and invest you know in that in that aspect of you know keeping the carrot in front of them you know and then reaching for that next rung and you know things of that nature I think yeah, I think it, it, it show it, it boosts morale it, it it gives you I don't want to say a purpose that's not the right word but you should have other purposes but it keeps you interested in the in in, in your job in the field and the more the employee is interested, the better it's going to look and and vibe company wise. Yeah, and to add to that, I think it also um, in the technology realm, 
it gives you a level more level of understanding when you go through these certs. Every time I go through any cert, there's some sort of aspect of technology where I may have known a little bit about it, but learning the cert or making me comply to the cert has made me like intrinsically learn it now. So it just it kind of yeah. it, it furthers your knowledge. It forces you to further your knowledge. Yeah, no, I agree. Right. And it gives you this kind of well-rounded education where in your daily routine you may not engage with all of that all of the time. So as you were saying, Dean, you get kind of like these blind spots and this helps to shine a light on them so yeah. and help you to learn them. And it's not always like you'll apply it, but to have that reinforced in the background, maybe you'll use it later. Maybe you'll be inclined to try to find a way to use it, but it definitely gives you a, a stronger base. Yeah, not just a stronger base. I find that even in my current role, there's so many plethora of technologies I'm using. It just allows you to have a conversation with someone technically minded or someone who's um, adding some sort of thought or opinion to that uh, particular technology or subject. And you actually have ha and half an idea of what, actually what's going on. You're not completely lost. You're, um, yeah, you just, you just effectively understand at least half the conversation. You might not get intrinsically everything, but you know, a rough whereabouts of where that idea is going or what solution they're trying to resolve using that kind of technology. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I think there's a lot to be said about employees that are in, invested in their place of employment, right? You don't want this just to be another, you know, another job and getting up and, you know, doing the nine to five and, and going home and, and not touching, you know, anything or, you know, keeping that blade sharp, right? There's something to be said about keeping, keeping your mind sharp because, I've I've said this so many times. It's like if you're not learning something new, you basically are falling behind. There is no standing still sure. in this IT world because it moves so quickly, right? And Dean, you and I have talked about this the last couple episodes. It's like you know, and 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 you try to stay away from buzzwords, right? You know, because they're a flash in the pan sort of thing. But it's like you know, the new buzzword now is is SD WAN or SD you know software defined networking SDN, right? Yeah. So. It, there's there's this you know there's always something to learn and, and i find it not weird but i find it interesting that dean how long is you know how long has ip been ip how long has tcp been tcp literally since Forever. the beginning of time right yeah. but the only thing that really changes is the delivery of ip or the sure. delivery of, of how tcp gets from point a to point b first it was frame relay and then it was mpls and now it's sd wan so you know but there's always something new to learn the catch is all right what's actually going to stick versus what's a flash in the pan and i'll give you an example because it's like like i said it started out frame relay then it started then it went to mpls and that was the darling in the industry for a while and then it it sort of turned into dmvpn and before dmvpn even got out of the gate you had sd wang coming and said ah, i'm I put I put DMVPN out of business, <laughs> or you know, yeah. what I mean, out of the out of the spotlight. It's this, so it's this constant catch of get VPN catch twenty two. Yeah, get VPNs another one. It's like it's yeah. like the hard part is is finding what's going to stick versus what is just going to be a flash in the pan. You know, depending on how what the size of your environment is, by the time you get DMVPN deployed everywhere, like for Ben and I, we're what just short of 400 offices been throughout the states something like that before you get yep. dmvpn out there to everybody dude something new is already in the pipeline so it's yeah, like but you, yep. but you need that something new 
Like that's the thing. Like right. everyone wants to jump on that that new sort of uh, application from the networking side of things, but then like, do you need yep. that? Like, there's, right. there's nothing wrong with D- DMVPN. There's nothing wrong no. with Frame Relay. Like, if it supports no. your application, why why do you need to change that? It's what it is. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. That, and that's the thing too. It's it then it, it's a business decision at that point. Say, okay, what what's that roadmap look like in in five years? What's it look yep. like in ten years? You know that sort of thing. So I think that's where that's where a lot of the design aspect is as far as okay what what are our applications going to look like in five years once you once you've kind of identified what your application is all right how do you want to you know what's the easiest way to get from again from point a to point b B, what's the easiest way to do that what's easy to scale and and what kind of fits in your in your environment how many sites are you going to be at in 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 five years because i haven't been rent to kill that long but it was two years this this month actually I, I would imagine they had no idea it would be almost 400 sites in the next five years. You know what I mean? Like that just sort of explodes and, and you're sort of growing with it, but there's always something to learn. There's always something to dig your, dig your hands into. And it's just, it, it's a never ending learning curve. I think in some aspects, cause it just, it just it's never huge. stops. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. And that's true. And that that's probably the one thing if any listener out there wants to know when the stopping point is, there isn't one. That you can stop if you want to stop being, I guess, not just competent, but in a trajectory that'll allow you to stay competent, you have to keep learning. There yep. is no alternative to that. Yep. There's no cheat code, there's no shortcut, there's nothing. You keep learning, studying, you have discussions like this with like minded people in industry. And that's that's really your only set of options. Pretty much, I agree with that. Full heartedly agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's I think it's a never ending world of knowledge, and there's always something to learn, and there's always going to be a need for that particular uh, technology. You know, and and it doesn't just apply to the networking world, right? That applies everywhere. That applies to dev. That applies to you know voice and telephony and. and you know, cloud and, and security and all that other, all those other, you know, avenues of, of IT. There's, there's plenty out there to learn. And, and to be honest with you, I, I think security is set to take off in the next 10 years because that, that hasn't even come close to hitting its stride of, you know, main, I'm, I don't want to say mainstay. It, it is here to stay, but it's like, Dean, you and I have talked about it. It feels like security is somewhat of an afterthought in most people's environments because, until it, it affects them, nobody cares. <laughs> well, there's that, and there's just like security. A lot of people just say security, but delving more in security, especially in my new role as being a, a technical security consultant, it's what portion of the environment of are you looking at security? Are you looking at in terms right. of physical? Are you talking a logical security? Are we talking about network access control security? Are we talking about 8021X? Where you're getting right. access to the network security. Are we talking about the application and that securing that down? Like, there's so many different facets and like defects in depth. Like, not even one person can't cover all those bases. So no. se- security is just like security is so huge. Is it even has subdivisions of like where you want to go into it? Is the code written in a secure manner? Like, yep. is data secured at rest or is it data secured in transit? There's so many aspects that. There's so many aspects in terms of uh, what area of security you want to go into. It's very naive just to say security because that could be anywhere from like 
layer one of the stack to layer seven of the stack, realistically. Yeah. Uh, that's, so that's a nice how would point. you? So if if you had to break that down for a beginner, how would you break that part down? Because that is a big problem. And security, let's face it, it's a sexy buzzword. Everybody oh, wants oh, it, can, but not everybody I, knows what it is. Can I so pause yeah. you for one second? Because I just want to. I just I just have to get this out there because me and my wife say this all the time. And you and the, the fact that you just said this security. People who are not in security say security is sexy. Security is not sexy. It is ugly. It <laughs> no. is no, it's nothing sexy about security. Whatsoever. It's a pain in the butt. It takes it long. Is. It's not, it's yeah. not, it's not, like the only sexy thing about security is this facade of all the money that's associated with it. But other than that, yeah. it's nothing yep. sexy about security. Yeah. I wish there was something sexy about security. You, I would be the first one to let you know, but there, <laughs> sadly, there's right. nothing. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of gray hair. And if you equate gray hair to sexy, then yes, it is sexy. Yeah. But it's a lot of gray hair. So for the listeners out there, you, you heard it here. Uh, security is a lot of gray hairs and ugliness. It's, so it is. <laughs> so um, but, no, but uh, please reiterate your question. I've definitely, um, I think that's a valid question. What you're, um, you're trying to say, like for your sort of earlier listeners, what was the point you were trying to make? So. So the point I was trying to make, and I spent some time thinking about this because I I decided to go to school for cybersecurity. So it's something that I spent a great deal of time thinking about after I got my role. I think about it more like American football when it comes to having your entire defensive line. Each aspect of that defensive line is kind of like an aspect of cybersecurity. And then when you need that little something extra, you have special teams. And the only difference is instead of playing an offensive line of the same number, it's like a hundred people on offense and they get to try and run you down and you get just your squad of defense. And that's realistically what cybersecurity for any organization is as compared to the entire swath of cyber threat actors being out there. Either you have script kitties, nation state actors, you have government run people, you have organizations, you have dark web people, you have the whole schema of things out there. And then you get a couple of resources to try and keep your stuff safe. Yeah. You gotta figure out how to make that work. That's yeah, that is a high level of it for sure. Yeah, you're not wrong, absolutely. That's definitely a good high level of uh an intro to yeah, cybersecurity for sure. I would definitely agree right. with that. For like the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I I've thought of ways to explain that without getting caught in the weeds and it's kind of hard, isn't it? One. You'd have to, yeah, it's hard to yeah. not get too <laughs> bogged out and because there's so many avenues and bases you're trying to cover and then it's also dependent upon the solution what you're trying to technically cover so it's a loaded question <laughs> as most things are right it's, it, yeah it <laughs> yeah and 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 facebook is basically just a, a, a swampland of nonsense these days but i do join facebook and really the sole purpose i'm on there is for is for the the groups that are there so I belong to a various amount of groups for hobbies and things of that nature. Nice. And one of them is, is uh, and I'll give a shout out, um, one of them is, uh, it's called This is an IT Support Group, uh, run by, um, oh, what the heck's the guy's name? I can't think of his name at the moment, but he's, he's a really cool guy. I've talked to him a couple of times. Uh, Stetson. Stetson is his name. And so and he's actually got a pretty decent group going. And I see questions on there all the time. People post like, hey, what should I what should I do? Or, Hey, what's, um, you know, what, what's, what's hot. You know, I'm going for cybersecurity. Here's my question, blah, blah, blah. So the big one I get, or the big one I see a lot of is people ask, so should I go for the net plus first or the security plus first? And me, me personally, in regards to just that question, because Dean, as you said, there's 
multiple variants of, of security, right? Application security, et cetera, et cetera. But in regards to the net plus versus security plus, to me, you have to understand the network side of it first before you can secure it. So you have to understand how traffic gets from point A to point B and then secure it that way so it, it is true to, to point A to point B. So I feel like it would be a little backwards for people to go for, to Security Plus first and then go to the network because Security Plus is based off of securing the network. So if you don't know the, if you don't know the foundation, the Security Plus is, is going to be a little misleading or it's going to be a larger hill to climb. Yeah, I feel the same way about the Cisco track. That's why I didn't do yeah. security before I did route and switch. Because yep, I felt that if I got a fundamentals and strong basis of route and switch, then after that, when even when you do route and switch labs, if you're putting like, let's say, uh, a dynamic route from point A to point B, the lab and every time you initiate that lab and do it in real life, you actually have to get route and put in first. The, you, the right. system doesn't allow you to secure that route in before you put route in first. Correct. So it, it just it, it methodically makes sense to learn how a system works fundamentally in terms of routing and switching, how it gets from point A to point B, and not just the networking aspect, but the actual whole like OSI layer stack, like from one to seven. I think it's important to learn that full stack where what elements reside in what and then obviously go into security that way and just find your find your niche or what's what interests you and it's not necessarily networking but networking will give you a good basis of other technologies and other um areas of the protocol stack for sure yeah no i agree with that i think i I think it's more of a you gotta walk before you can run sort of thing yeah i think the network puts a good foundation on the security side and, and to be honest with you the last i uh, will say like the last month I, i've been i've been dabbling in the on the security side of things um mainly through uh the site uh try hack me oh nice i've been doing a lot of i've been doing a lot of labs and a lot of security minded things and even for a novice security guy like me uh, novice when i say that it's it's more of like uh, try hack me as a site where you can uh, basically be the bad hacker guy in a in a sandbox environment, right? It allows you to deploy things against uh, virtual machines in, in sandboxes and, you know, so you're not, you know, having Mr. Policeman knock on your door sort of thing. But, you know, <laughs> and it, and as far as like the penetration testing stuff, right? So using tools like Nmap and uh, Metasploit and, and all that, all that crazy security stuff, for that stuff, I was a novice at. Like I, I, I knew what they were, and I've sort of played around with them, but I didn't have a real good understanding of what they actually did. Um, but in the last month or so, I've been really kind of pushing on that. And, and I gotta tell you, it is, it is, it is really cool to see how some of these attacks are are played out. On the same token, semi frightening at how easy they are, yeah, even for blew, a novice blew, like me. Yes. It blew my mind. I was like, whoa! I'm like. I, this is like lesson number two, and I just exploited an SMB, you know, protocol. And it's like, you know, is it basically it was the same thing as the WannaCry virus, you know, what two years ago, whatever it was. That was incredibly easy. I was like, how did this not happen before it actually happened? Like it, <laughs> it was just insane how easy it was. Like the hardest part for me was getting my head wrapped around the actual tool. Like once I figured out how Metasploit actually worked and and what it actually did and some of the switches and you know some of the syntax that I had to deploy once that was in, 
it was literally less than a minute and this and i i deployed the hack and i was like oh i'm 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 a brand new novice at this and it took me a minute like you know some of these guys have been in it for for a hot minute you know they're gonna do this on a large scale in half the time and i was like whoa that was way too easy and i was like that's a little that's a little concerning you know and they already do yeah part of the problem with that is that everything you're learning right now they have so so one of the scariest things that i've ever learned was that they have entire buildings of people in other countries like russia and china this is what they do as a day job yeah and they have people who just do this and it's weird to know that that's out there and then there's apts so advanced persistent threats are different than just your regular person like they're not after your bank account they want to be in your machine for as long as possible sure. for what who knows right but is the, if they can get in they're in there right and that's how you get these weird botnets that's how you get all of these weird attacks that happen seemingly out of the blue because the exploit's done right and they're just chilling it's been a while and then when they yeah. get a chance they do what they want to do yeah yeah, it's, that's exactly it's a very right. weird thing. Yeah, not only that, I'd done those exploits a few years back. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate to do a CCNA cyber uh, ops, and I did a lot of those labs. And I honestly had to walk away from some of them after I was done because it just blew my mind. <laughs> like I was I know. Like, holy, <laughs> like honestly, I had to just walk away from the keyboard, and then like yeah. I was like shaking for thirty minutes, yeah. just like. That like, because to me it was real, and I was just like, "Whoa, that is like, this is yeah. some serious heavy." Like, I I was able yeah. to hack an email server, like, and hack several of them to follow an email chain, like, just with just like stuff I shouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean. That's how like, I feel. Just, like, that's how I, I feel right now. I shouldn't know how it's to like, do this. Like, <laughs> like I I have to like you know after after a couple lessons like I have to get up and go take a shower because I feel dirty. I'm like I'm not supposed yeah, to do yeah, this. Like, this. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm on the good side. This feels very bad right now. You know, it's one of those things. Well, especially the right. uh, the reverse like SSH client like the rats yeah. and stuff like that. They can put. Like that stuff's scary yeah. when like someone could be actively yeah. looking at your cameras or your screen all the time, like yeah. and like you just don't know. And the the weird yep. part is it's out there on GitHub. Like that's Yeah, the weird that's part. that is scary. Like, that's the scary yeah. part. It's all open source. Yeah. Yeah. It's like ooh, And the other thing is, is that is that comfort. lots of people are doing this without like kids can spin this stuff up and yeah. not really understand like, you can use it, but not understand what detrimental effect this could actually have on, like, an environment. So, yeah, it's crazy. Right. Correct. Yeah. And, and and the more I think about it, it's like, you know what? Like, the good guys and the bad guys, they they use the same tools. The only differential is, like, what side of the law that you're on. Like, do you have ethics or do you not? Like, that's what determines what, you know what I mean? If you're a good guy or a bad guy. But the, the tool set is is almost identical. The only way to really catch a bad guy is to use the same exact tools he's using. So that's a very weird complex in, in, in at least in my mind that like, yeah, cause usually you know where right and wrong is and, and good and bad, but like with the security thing, like the only real way to, like I said, the only real way to catch the bad guy is to use the tools he's using, you know, and, and, and look at it, look at it this way, right? Some of the most, some of the more famous guys, you know, the bad guys or whatever, turn good guys, the only real reason they turned to good guys is because they were hired by somebody, right? Google Google swiped them up off the street and said, "Look, now you work for us." You know, or look at um, look at guys like Kevin Mitnick, right? He was doing it, 
you know, back in the day and before anybody knew what hacking was or anything like that. And now he's writing books and, you know, he's, he's got, he's, he's set, he's set up, but he, he spent some time in jail and there's some really famous, you know, uh, bad guys out there that return good because now somebody's giving them a paycheck. To be fair, some of those hackers on, I find very hard to call hackers because back then it was just open. Yeah. If Correct. The doors are open and you walk through it. Are you a thief? Right. Like, right. you know right. what I mean. Like, <laughs> I get you. Like, you're you still want the you. entry, but like, there was you. no sophistication of an open door, was there? <laughs> right. Yeah. Nobody knew. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. It was right going there. on no, exactly. That's, that's it, was, a fair it wasn't. Point. A, yeah, a fair it wasn't. Point. It was. They weren't up the same. They didn't have the same challenges we had today. Put it that way. Yeah. And no, they weren't that, up that, against that, a lot. That's a fair point. Yeah. That's so, a fair point. But I'm not taking anything away from them, and please don't hack me. No, I'm not, I'm not no, taking no, yeah. anything away from your skill set. Yeah, <laughs> I'm no, just no. calling it's it as just, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a good point. Yeah, so security is always a, a ever evolving field, you know. Uh, but again, you sort of have to, like Dean said, you have to know your niche, right? You have to know what side of the security plant you want to work on because there's multiple avenues in that, especially with security being so hot. Uh, right now, but it is it's it's very stressful, right? So it's a lot of a lot of the day to day stuff, or a lot of the a lot of the new stuff, I should say. Say your finance department wants to use a new a new app, right? So who's vetting that, right? So that mostly falls on the security side. Say, hey, you know, they have a rep, you know, this company has a reputation to do X Y Z. Here's what's required to be open. Does it require op- you know outside access is is there a nat involved like is it does it sit on the public web somewhere like all of that has to be discussed and most of the time all of that falls on the security team because all the finance team knows is hey this application xyz this looks good i want it well that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be deployed tomorrow like there's there's a lot of things behind that to to make that sort of come to fruition the first sort of gatekeeper if you will is most is most times the security department because they have to vet it and make sure it's it's legit and it's going to work in our environment and then it gets passed on to hosting and network and you know kind of you know complete the road but the very first line is often security yeah you're completely right and then it's dependent on what aspect of security they're looking at where they're defining that at right who gets involved what resource gets involved so yeah, it can go so many different ways in terms of security. Then you have different um, security offices with different types of skill sets and stuff yep. like that. Some will be more technical. Some will be more sort of organizational where they um, sort of um, they're responsible just to fill out questionnaires as opposed to some people more sort of diving into like the source code or making sure that security hardening is in place where you're like looking at things at port level or um, – looking at things like you, you want to basically lock that system down you're using active directory um in in order to make certain requests over the network things of that nature so it's yeah it's there, there's a lot of elements and p- moving pieces involved it's not just like i want an app today and you just that download it it's, i wish it was that simple yeah me too <laughs> i hear you 100 percent. yeah so security is always always good uh to uh to, to jump into and, and and say hello and it's it's certainly not uh Certainly not going to go anywhere, but Ben, I wanted to circle back with with you and sort of what your day to day looks like uh, or sort of entails, because obviously, you know, for the 
for the people that are listening, trying to get different vibes. And we, we talk very heavy network and because that's the space we're in, but we're trying to get, you know, trying to broaden that horizon to say, okay, you know, maybe not everyone is very strong in network or whatever. So just kind of give us a day to day of what you're, what you're looking at and what you're touching and, and sort of open the people's eyes to, to, to your small, you know, part of the IT world. So I guess our slice of pie for this would be a lot like a general hospital physician to kind of give an analogy to somebody. There are specialists all over the place, and in our IT department specifically, there are several teams of specialists where in some companies you get a handful, depending on their budget or if the company culture leans heavy towards IT, um, we'll call it inclusion. Or if they have a one-stop shop, as some companies do, they usually have a level three that is everything under the sun. For us, we have a lot of specialists. So what we do is we do a lot of triage work. We'll get tickets from our level one people and they'll be vetted with a certain level of detail where they'll like collect the information, run their basic troubleshooting and whatnot. And if it doesn't work, it goes to us for further vetting. At that point, we dig in and we figure out if it's at the hardware level, if it's user error, if there's knowledge missing, if it's a specialized application, what have you. And then we usually try to pick it apart and I guess, reverse engineer their issue and try to walk through it with them in their shoes if we can. If not, we start to pick apart variables until we can get it down to whatever specialist it needs to go to. A prime example of that would be somebody can't connect to Wi-Fi. Simple enough on the face of it, why not? Are they actually connected to Wi-Fi? Do they have the Wi-Fi switch turned on if it's an older model computer? Do they have the Wi-Fi turned off if it's a phone? Something like that. Or if it happens to be an AD-controlled Wi-Fi, are they using an outdated passcode? Those are all the different kind of variables you'd have to vet through before you can say, hey, Pat, uh, we got a thing, and then we ask him to go check that site, and that would be where he takes his role as the specialist in that scenario, and we're done with that issue. We move on to the next thing. Right. But it's a continual process of playing Sherlock Holmes, looking at clues, trying to see it from angles that are not our own, and a surprising amount of the time, it's about taking your mind out of the technical and trying to do a process-oriented approach. So. If I want to pretend that I am an end user doing a thing, whatever that thing is, I don't want to assume that I've gone two steps forward. So if they can't get into an app, okay, well, are you even logged into the machine? Well, are you even in the office with the network connection that has access to that machine? Okay, well, is it even your machine? So like a lot of questions that people will write off as too simplistic or they should know better or my personal favorite, they should have common sense, which <laughs> let's be real. We use too much technology for that to be true anyway, right? right? And but, common sense so is not that common. Walk... No, <laughs> exactly. no, it's not. <laughs> right. And you're supposed to work through all of this. And once you help the end user arrive to it, then you have a choice. You got to give them solutions, right? Because at the end of the day, they are doing a job. This job generates money. This money keeps the business and ostensibly you paid. So Mm -hmm. you have to give them options that'll get them good. It's not always what's technically best because there's a technically purist mindset where it's like, no, the thing has to work. The ones and zeros have to line up. That's it. That works in some cases. And there are a few instances like in security where that's not allowed to fail. We operate in a little bit more of a gray area. For an example, let's say, I don't know, somebody has a laptop and their internal laptop camera broke. Okay, well, by definition, you'd want to get a repair guy out there to swap out the camera or have them send the laptop in to do the camera repair yourself or do it with warranty. That's technically pure. But if you have a webcam that you can plug in with a USB, you can send that too and it does the same thing. One takes a day and costs no money, and one takes a few extra days and costs a lot of money, depending on who you ask, not including downtime. 
So it's like you have to weigh a lot of those technical issues with the business impact those issues may have. Once you marry those two, you put your Sherlock cap on, that's what makes up 90% of our day. And then the other 10% is riffing with the team to discuss issues on things we either don't know or don't have the technical skill set for, hunting down knowledge or generating knowledge if we run into an issue enough times to warrant its knowledge creation. And then finally, just improving our own skill sets by going out into the ether and finding cool stuff on the web. Cool. That's solid. That's really cool. Yeah, man. Uh, that's impressive. Yeah, Ben's got a sweet gig. Yeah, I got to yeah. tell you, he's, yeah. he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's all right. It's nice. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, ben, like that nice I'm, balance you have. It's really cool. Sorry to cut you back. So but that balance you have between um, like technical and practical like like you said that mm-hmm. and the energy your analogy with the webcam is uh yeah beautiful i like that a lot because um i have to admit i'm a little guilty for uh sometimes at work i'm so technically in the weeds and it's just like just do that it's so much simple just do something something way simpler you don't have to you don't have to do that it's not that's not always required so it's refreshing right. to hear that for sure yeah i think i think that's a good point i think i think as technical people Right, uh, everyone in this, everyone in this room. You're right. You get into the technical weeds, and it's like, oh well, I raced ahead to step ten, and the answer actually lied at step three, and I I started at step five, and it's like, oh well, <laughs> you know, it, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, and, and Ben, you know, certainly, you know, jump in here, but you have to sort of know your audience before you start throwing oh, yeah. things out there it's like all right what can this person handle or, or am i going too deep or you know that sort of thing so you have to tailor your answer to their level of knowledge when it comes to it and it, it's not to say you can't step them through step seven to get to ten but you know a lot of people and, and i'm guilty of it all the time i i, I have a technical mind so i my mind automatically jumps to the most technical answer of oh it could be x like right off the bat and i'm like oh well i should have checked this two days ago because it was a simple layup and here i am taking the three-pointer from half court you know it's one of those things so it's like you know I, i'm totally guilty of that and i get it you know it's, it's both the strength and a weakness i guess but you know you really do have to know your audience in that aspect of okay where can i start with this person a what makes sense and b what what's their comfort level of of getting the problem resolved so uh, funny enough i've lovingly referred to this issue as the microsoft spiral because i've called in my life microsoft support twice i don't remember what for all i can tell you is that they start off from the most technically unsound place and i feel like (laughs) i feel like they're they are a couple steps ahead and you're like it gets into this weird place where you, you're not understanding them. They're not understanding you. And I try to cut all of that out of the way to make sure that they feel good because one other component, probably arguably the hardest component of support and user support, they're not tech people. No. Which there's two components that are really hard to deal with there because as tech people, we like to pay deference to intelligence in our field. So when we hear anything from the alphabet soup, we're with it. You want to throw any kind of technical term, we're there. Throw us some diagrams, yeah. But for end users, their whole world may be managing a spreadsheet or doing HR work or doing customer service. Quite frankly, they're not paid to know it the way we know no. it. So it's hard to give them deference for their ignorance because yeah. it's not their fault and there's nothing wrong with that. So you have to start off with that level of respect for their job. 
and then start to weave in whatever it is you're going to use. So like, for example, a habit I picked up is I over contextualize the word thing. They don't need to know that I'm going to go into their RAM or they don't need to know that I'm going to go into the system tray to turn off the Wi-Fi for their system. They don't need to know any of that. But I might click the thing and then do the thing because that may be the level of conversation that they understand. And as long as it's contextual and makes sense, they're cool with it. And from there, I try to explain at the end of it what I did in a way that's not going to make their eyes gloss over. Because one other thing that we do, all of us have, every single one of us has a kind of technical privilege because we can tell somebody something with a level of confidence that they're going to believe it. And even if they couldn't, how are they going to call us out on? They don't know. Right. Oh, your issue was on OSI layer three of the stack. And uh, all I did was I remediated this, I did this. And they're going to be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> He's going to smile and be okay That's with so it. True. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Right. And it, it's the it's the part that makes end user education so difficult to achieve at the end of the day because you don't want to feel like you're pandering to them. You don't want them to feel like you're patronizing them, but you do want to feel like you've explained some degree of concept to them without belittling them, wasting their time, whatever. And you have to do that while doing everything technically right because the most annoying part of the job is it's binary. There are so many jobs where you can argue your case, where you operate in a gray zone. But when it comes down to the support aspect, either their problem's fixed or it's not. When it is, hey, you know, everything's great. When it's not, it almost doesn't matter how well you explain it. There's an air of uh, agitation, I guess. They're they're agitated a little bit. They're not happy, whatever. And you got to find a way to make that right, however that is. And that part is very hard to deal with with end users because they may get emotional. They may not understand the intricacies of whatever it is you have because you got to explain to them, listen, no, look, it's a server error. No matter what you did, you're fine. Or every once in a while, you get somebody's like, I get to take time off. Cool. Bye. And then you <laughs> <laughs> and so I like those guys. You <laughs> you're right, though. You're spot on. <laughs> yep. Well, and yeah, and and just so for the listeners that are looking to get into the role, the two things to pay attention to, no matter what you do, is you may study, but you're going to run into something you don't know. How you deal with what you don't know is way more important than what you do know, one. And two, I don't care if you know everything under the sun. You have to respect everybody, including those who don't know. Yeah. Because that it, there's things that they know, they could run laps around you on whatever that is, and that wouldn't feel very good either. But it's like the further removed you are from the stresses of their life, the easier it is to dismiss whatever that problem is because it's not yours. Or one thing I have heard in the wild a lot is, oh, I wish they were just smarter or I wish they just understood this or that. And they're picking the wrong side of that argument because they don't don't go to school for this. Yeah. So Well, it's not they say it's reflection on you. How do you make that person or give that opportunity to that person to be better? It's easy to say – they're not smart enough or undereducated. Well, what have you done to help them achieve that? If you want the, if you want to see the difference in them, you can all, you can always point the, the question back at yourself. Correct. No, I agree. And I sort of fall into that trap, right? Cause I never know. I never know what's enough. Like when somebody asks, Oh, what was the issue? And I'm like, yeah. at my level, I'm like, I, I don't know how far down the rabbit hole I want to tell them what I did because they're not going to understand it anyway. So it, it for me, sometimes it's hard to put in layman's terms what I've actually done 
and what update goes out to the end user as as far as what the fix was. I I, I struggle even today. Like I struggle with that paradox of okay, how much detail do I want to give them, or else you know because there is a point where you get where you talk to these people and their eyes glaze over because they have no idea what you're talking about, and it's like all right, I want to get out the door before that happens. Like I, I don't want to be, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to hang around for that particular moment in time. But it's like. You want to explain to them because that's part of your job. But at the other side of that, it's like, how much detail do you get? Because you get that glassy eyed look and you were like five minutes in. I'm like, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a weird thing. To be honest, I've spent a great deal of time thinking about this and it hit me on a YouTube binge. Now I think about it. This is before I signed up for YouTube premium. Best 10 bucks I've ever spent monthly because ads suck. But it's ads, right? right? So how do companies spend billions of dollars to get their message across to people? They can keep it simple, they keep it repetitive, and they spread it out wide. Now, this all hinges entirely on company culture, but the idea behind educating users on complex topics is how you make it into digestible bites and then feed it out to them. And I would say that it's important for them to know it because one of the most important things in security is crafting a culture of security. And the only way to know that or to achieve that really is if people have an understanding of the framework or whatever it is they're working in. Agreed. And that's how a lot of people get got with phishing. They're like, oh, this is a link, click, and they don't realize that maybe that email has no place being in that, that space of their professional email. They don't know why somebody would send them an email this way. I've educated a handful of users on um, contact out of band or communication out of band, I think is the actual word, where if somebody reaches out to me by email, I give them a phone call and he'd be like, hey, did you you send this? That was you? And then they say yes or no. And that's a technique that not a lot of people are aware of. But it's how, how do you get that message repeated enough times for it not to feel like, oh, great, another dry email. And then they got to read through a whole security briefing. And it's just I don't know. It looks like a legal document. It's not fun to read. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody has time for that. That's true. <laughs> so you got to make the message like a commercial almost. Sell it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's a good point. Long. I find that hard to find that balance of, you know, what do I give them versus what's going to satisfy them of what the actual issue was, you know? <laughs> so it, it's this fine line that even after 20 years of being IT, I still can't quite find that fine line. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's the story I'm sticking with. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> ben, I guess we'll kind of wrap up with this. I believe a couple minutes left, but uh, to hit that hour mark, but what's on your plate now? What, do you, what are you doing now as far as from a learning perspective? Uh, you, you, you're, doing the, you're doing the Net Plus now, or are you going right to the CCNA? Like, what's your, what's your deal there? So, I'm doing four things, technically, depending on how I feel that day. Um, so I'm pursuing my master's in cybersecurity, specifically with a discipline in cyber operations. I am going for my net plus. Then I'm going to jump over to CCNA because I have done some, I, I'm trying to do some of the packet tracer labs. And honestly, just looking at it, I feel like I'm not ready. So I feel like I want to do some of the net plus to get a better framework before I jump in. Plus I'm trying to curate that certification material for my team because I want them to have that base of certifications under the same guise of the company doing it. And I feel like if I could create that air of common sense just around those certs, it'll help build up that kind of team synergy that I'm really looking to make. And then uh, finally, I am trying to 
forget what the fourth thing was. Trying to grow your vinyl collection. Is that what it is? Yes. (laughs) Only if they're Santana. Ah, I like Santana vinyl. Actually, I played Santana last month. I did at the at the at the meet we had. Yeah, (laughs) Zebop was the actual album. To be honest, that was a that was a good one. But um, yeah, that's cool. Oh, I remember what it was. It was setting up the voice attack thing because I really want to have a living Jarvis. That's what I. Oh, there you go. That's right. I think you did mention that the other week to me. That's cool. Yeah. Nah, the, the, this this is this is cool. Um, Siri will not do. Yeah, so S- Siri will not do. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't like Siri either, so I don't blame you. Not even close. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this, Ben. Quick question, because you don't really find that many individuals in IT that um, are pursuing a master's degree or even have a degree in a related field. And also a pursuing cert. So, my question to you is: How do the two compare? So here's how the two compare. Because I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this before I started going for the certs. Okay. Because I didn't. I still don't need the certs. Technically, need is not the word for this. I'm doing this all out of self edification. Sure. College in general, and I figured this out in my undergrad because they do a horrendous job of explaining that. To anyone trying to go to school, undergrad, any university or college, here it is. College helps to frame your thinking. It gives you a wide variety of information and it tells you to write this out because writing is tantamount to thought. And if you can write something well and structure it, you can speak it, you can think it. It helps to frame your thought. Certifications help you drill deep into the subject matter of whatever. It will help you become a subject matter expert, and that's the difference that I can really muster up after all my time doing both. Okay, then I have a follow-up question now that you said that, and this might be preloaded, but what in your day-to-day like work operations, your tasks and stuff like that, right? What would you say you would? What skill set would you say you learn more from the certification aspect of things? Or the more academia degree side of things, or is it? I mean, well, it could, it could be fifty-fifty. Like I don't want to. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You're fine. Okay. The the answer is fifty-fifty, but not always. Okay. Because when I first started, I didn't have any certs because I was never made to take any certs to get a job. Sure. So 100% of my job training was from school, and that's what I used most of my time. But that doesn't account for self-study or on-the-job absorption of information. So technically speaking. It would have been readily used certification information, okay. but it certainly helped to provide context to that information from my schooling. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That- so like, for example, a certification will show you how you can set up an active directory, modify passwords and permissions, and set up structures for people to use them. College would kind of help to explain to you why you're doing that and why it matters to something outside of your realm of influence. Gotcha. So college gives you a wider application of look, like a wider view of why you're doing it. And you would say the certifications would actually show you the intricate level of actually how to do that. Would that be a fair analysis? Yes. Okay. Okay. And to be fair, honestly, they don't always fit the same use case for each person. Like I went to college right out of high school. So, I mean, I followed that track pretty much all the way home. But if you're like looking to swap careers, if you're looking to break into the industry, or if you're looking to break some kind of of thing, that would be going for your certs. Or like one of the schools that we partner with is BTI. 
Okay. So we'll work with them to like have interns, externs, but a place like that where you have like an 18 month to two year program where you get your search and just turn it around. That's very useful for those people who are looking to either change careers or maybe aren't sure where to get started and they have some structure. That's a great place to go. Because in truth, college does a thing that I'm not happy with and that's they force prerequisites down your throat. And I feel like that wastes a year or two of your life and charges a lot of money. Yeah. But it still does the same thing I said earlier. You still have to be able to learn and, and read and write in that kind of way. I'm just not the biggest fan of the prereqs because I think that it's ultimately your money at the end of the day. But that's – but it's you know, you're going to have but it's, your, your people for it or against it. But it sounds like – see, this is, this is what I found the most interesting about you, Ben. There's not that many people in our field that specifically what, done a degree and is doing a master's in cybersecurity. And is also working very intrinsically in the related field. So it sounds like from the little I know about you, you kind of had this notion or idea of what field you wanted to be in already, like before you even uh, pursued a degree. And I could no. be I could be wrong, <laughs> but that's just my assumption. No. <laughs> so so no. so so um, what, so actually, why a cybersecurity degree then? So actually, it's not even just cybersecurity by itself, although that's the ultimate goal, and I'll explain why in a minute. Okay. How I got started on IT is is hilarious because I got a scholarship to go to RAC. It's a Reading Area Community College. I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just know that they were going to pay for my schooling, and that's when I went. And uh, I took a whole myriad of courses. But the day I decided I wanted to do IT is I took a C++ course, and that was about the end of it. Just the structure, everything about it, I was like – um okay. It was like, if you look through the keyhole of a door and you're like, whoa, that looks cool on the other side. What's that? And then that was it. And the day that I figured out that I was interested in like security stuff, it was the end of that class. And we had an assignment. It was something stupid. Um, we had to make a program and it had to be just some nested if statements. It, it wasn't anything big. Okay. But the teacher made a passing joke and he's like, if you can break it, I'll give you an A. And I was like, break it. I was like, uh, okay. At that point, I had known a little bit about like hacking or whatever, but I was like, is this what they mean by hacking? You take a logical structure and you just mess it up. Yeah. And so I did that. I made three conditional if statements with colors in it and I broke the last nested if statement and it tripped the whole thing out and it made it stroke. Okay. And I was like, all right, this is my assignment. And then they were like, no, I'm not going to give you an A for it. But I was like, yep, nope, this, I, I want to play with whatever this is. And that's how it started. After that, I went to my, um, I went to my undergrad, and they had uh, two two majors that I went after, for, and one of them was security. And after that, I got introduced to stuff like SCADA systems and how to calculate risk out for certain things. Nice. And the more I looked at it, the more I looked at the job field, and I was like, this, this is kind of going to be where it goes. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but that's going to be it. Nice. Cool. That's awesome, dude. That's a good story. It's a really cool story. Thanks for sharing. We love stories like this. <laughs> yeah, we love yeah. it. We love it. <laughs> so I guess I guess we'll leave it at that. We are pretty much at the one hour mark or somewhere around there. So I know we try to keep these short and sweet so people have other things to do and we're 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 glad that you take a an hour out of your day and come listen to us babble on and, and, and talk. So appreciate everybody out there listening. So uh again, thanks to Ben. Awesome having you on, dude. It was uh, it was it was really cool. We'll have you back for sure. Absolutely. Uh to yeah, man. to talk thanks, some man. other nonsense but yeah ben was, ben was <laughs> really cool so uh speaking on that thanks for joining us this week uh on so you want to be in it and here's all the uh, obligatory stuff i have to say 
to drive our social media. So uh, make sure you visit our website where you can actually get the podcast. Uh, so you want to be an it.buzzsprout.com. That's where it's hosted. Uh, you can subscribe uh, to the show anywhere. Really, you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher or any or the plain Jane RSS feed uh, so you never miss us so yeah because really how how could you want to miss us right we're we're that good so uh, you could also throw us a throw us a rating uh, on iTunes that would be awesome or simply tell a friend right so word of mouth uh, helps just as much so and then we have all the socials out there right so Twitter uh, at so you want to be an IT Facebook.com slash so you want to be an IT and Instagram at so you want to be an IT, and then also we have a Discord server that we've spun up to to chat with you guys directly. Uh, that invite is in the show notes of the podcast. So uh, go check us out there. Come say hello. Uh, we love talking to you guys. Uh, again, thanks for Ben. Uh, thanks to Ben to, for for hanging out. And uh, that'll be it. See you guys next time. Ben, thank you so much. Take care, guys. Thank you. Yeah, man. See ya. Cool. Thanks, guys. See you guys. Bye. Is anybody there? Oh, yeah.